Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. We have begun a new calendar and another 25,000-year cycle as we journey into a new realm of reality through the windows in your mind. We now begin with the knowledge of humanity and its divine origins from intergalactic conversations from the past and present. Let us look through a window into the ever-evolving consciousness and explore new possibilities with our place in the cosmos and the quantum world. Grandmother Parisha of Cherokee Heritage reveals the wisdom of the ancient past that will lead us into a peaceful future. Experience the love and peace through the exceptional wisdom of Grandmother Parisha as she shares science and ancient knowledge merged together to benefit all of humanity. Greetings, this is Parisha, and you are listening to Windows in Your Mind. Today we're going to discuss a lot of coming in information, but mostly I want to share with you some definite insights and information uh, that we've been working on here. Over the last 24 hours, we've done a 24-hour meditation, which allows people to fast and to sit with over 60,000 people all over the world about six to 10,000 of them being Tibetan monks. And our focus was Tara, and this is the turning of the wisdom of the Buddha Tara. And let us remember that Buddha simply means an intelligence and level of mind, not a person or a being, but the mind. And in that uh, 24 hours, begin to unfold in though there were many people of many traditions actually participating in the 24-hour meditation, the connectedness, the similarities, the common ground, all that was being done was just so, so inspiring, so, so lifting, that whilst we do do things differently, we're always doing it for the same reasons and in a way that's meaningful to us. So I honor all the world's spiritual teachings in that they have the essence of purity of truth that I can take for common ground. I also know that most of the teachings have been contaminated by humans with different attitudes and perspectives on things and that to get the pure information we must read the original scriptures ourselves. And usually those who do different interpretations in another language, and some, some people just use it as a fear control mechanism so that the fear of God becomes greater than the love of God. I want to speak my truth as I know it and encourage you to remember always that we, you know, 
we who pass on the teachings are human and with human frailties. So one must have a sense of responsibility to go forward on their own and to actually look at the scriptures and make sure that it's coinciding with exactly what you're looking for and what your path is. And remember that the fingerprint that you have says that you are individual to one, to you just you holds the codes and patterns and mission of whatever your life purpose is. Okay, and in that we begin to understand how we live life in that we are actually dreaming. We are not in the physical state of life that we believe we are because we have been taught and indoctrinated with the body being the only reality. Okay, I can say this now with some absolute certainty after 50, 60 years of study, research, and activities. I've had a blessed life, beloveds, and I, I don't just mean a little blessing. I have been extremely blessed. And I've had my challenges, and I've had to get past things, and each one leaving me with a greater perspective of who I am and what life really is and about. It's been a journey and an adventure, and I just would hope that all of you that are listening are on that journey and adventure of your own. In the particular work I do, families are very important to me, and not just children, but the mothers, the fathers. All of the members of the family are priorities, and this makes a family whole, to have a completion of children, mother and father, uh, relatives, and those who are part of that particular family tree. But today, because of the a withdrawal we've come from the truths and the, the disconnection that has been taught us. Families are suffering. And what I want to do today is bring back our thinking place where we can actually ponder and mull through these different things that are happening. So we are then at a point where we can bring back the songs, you know, that connect us to all of the ancestral worlds and where we have been, as well as where we are going. I want to bring back the stories that help us understand from the simple, simple state of consciousness that the ancients had, how they put it together in story form that help us relate to the complexity of what we now today see as the sciences that allowed us to know it in story form, sort of like you can study an in-depth science like physics and see a lot of very science fiction movies that deal with those particular truths now. And then that understanding becomes deeper for you because you saw the movie and you emotionally reacted to it and you personalized it. Uh, you became very much involved as being part of the story. So I want to bring back those songs and ceremonies and those stories. I, w I want to help the children to understand their sense of belonging to a long genetic evolution that will continue way past the present lifetime. I want to help them and heal the question of everlasting life. And in my role in life, this is exactly what I want to do. And, and when we start with that, we have to start with the understanding of creation 
and what dream time means. Dream time, especially in this meditation, became a real big plus for us. Because after you're doing, I mean, you have to understand, 24 hours of meditation means 24 hours sitting in meditative posture and meditating. Usually because of just how much time I do spend in the stillness, I can do six hours with absolutely, you know, no problem at all, no resistance. After about six, seven hours, the body begins to have some communications that has to be dealt with. And then I have to come back into body awareness and talk to it and put those things to peace and then go back in to the meditative state. Well, when I do these very long meditations, for me, I enter into dream time. And I don't mean that I fall asleep. I am still aware of the chanting and the very words and verbiage of the chanting. I'm still aware of people and others being around me. I'm aware of my physical uh, environment or at least what I perceive as my physical environment. And yet I slip off into another complete awareness and I go in very, very deep states. Uh, I've had others who've used their uh, testing equipment on me and at that point they say I have entered in to a level of delta which is deep sleep and in that I have no more awareness of the body or my environment and I'm very much into a whole other space and I consider that parallels I also know that it's dream time when I'm in parallel I'm no longer held to a body in a location and that it can be a futuristic experience. It can be a present resolving of things that are going on and it can be actually the showing up and the connecting to the timelessness of ancestral lineages. So basically when we're doing this we have to prepare our body and this means that everything we take into our body, everything we wear and everything humanity makes comes from the mother. So we make sure that all of our consumption and our body has what we would consider natural uh, fabrics, uh, you know, very natural, uncontaminated food, all that. So we're, we're, we're very well provided for by the mother. Yet we seem to fear a scarcity that is not real because we it is promoted, it is advertised, it is it, it's an indoctrination that you had. But there is no place to where there is soil that she does not produce something. And all we need to understand is what is edible. And uh, we have become so very spoiled because we only want to eat certain things. In my many years of exposure with other countries and traditions and cultures is actually seeing what they eat and the kind of restricted mindset we have on what we will eat and what we won't eat. But then again when hunger sets in the availability of whatever is there is actually helping you deal with the fact that when you're hungry you will go past those cultural limitations. Okay. So that everything you take into your body and everything that you wear 
actually needs to be between you and the mother. And this means that everything, uh, you know, you're, we're provided for if we want to be or we become part of the scarcity consciousness. We have never left home, really, We, as long as we're on the planet. And I would think that most of us are not astronauts, so in physical form, we have not gotten into a vessel and left the Earth. So this is really our home, the planet. And this is the beginning of the understanding of what oneness means when we talk about oneness. And the most important thing for us to to teach our children is about the oneness and where they fit into creation and fit into the whole bigger picture. Uh, we It's an obligation and as keepers of the, the wisdoms and the keepers of the knowledge of creation, we need to give it to our children in story form that holds their interest. As they grow older, they may question what to understand about some of the stuff that was in the story. That's okay. That's that's just perfectly fine. Then you begin to give them the science and the other supporting information that helps them become very stable with it. We and and our our children depend on us in their formative time to create these doorways of curiosity and understanding. And and the obligation we have of our first teaching is to give them uh, example of the oneness and its importance in our survival. So teaching them to be social and teaching them how to understand the differences between people that they're, they're going to meet along the path somewhere, obviously someone so very different and destructive that to, to teach them to understand that by observing it, not participating in it. And so just to sit with them and tell them this is not enough. We need to take them into the world with us and explore. I take my grandchildren as I travel and let them actually meet people that they've studied and have curiosities about. We have to live it in a consistency. We live it every day in every moment of every day, even though ego has driven us to become disconnected from this oneness we must still return to it by our own determination. Uh, I want you to consider something, okay? Imagine if I have a piece of fabric, and I go in and, and I get a needle and I pick a piece of thread from the fabric, and I keep pulling it till I have actually pulled it out of the fabric. And, and let's think about how many times I can do that before the fabric becomes weak and maybe completely unravels through the fact that the, the holding threads have, have weakened. If we as humanity removes it from, if we remove ourselves from the oneness, we become very weak in ourselves. We become uh, the feeling of victim. We, we feel helpless or we feel uh, very scared. In fact, maybe even levels of paranoia. But helping our children to recognize that they are part of the fabric, the oneness, and that this will give them physical strength is our responsibility. But only if we are embracing it and living it. It's not something you can just sit and tell them about. If they have spiritual strength, they're going to cope with however the world is changing. And I can tell you here at 76, this world is totally different than when I was a child and a girl, okay? 
I look, I often span back over memories of that time, and it's like, I feel I should be so much older than 76. I feel like it's been hundreds of years. And that could be because I spend a lot of time in time loops and so forth. But on the other hand, it's like just watching where the world, the state of the world is now compared to where it was, you know, when 55, 60 years ago. If we want to have our children and the next generation prepared for the changes, the evolutionary fast track that's happening. We must be with them and we must demonstrate that. And, and I'm going to move past just saying that about the children. We have to get prepared for that as adults. We have to begin to look at if we've bought into the scarcity and put food stores away. We've had some of the programs where people have their interest in food storage and uh, survival information and stuff. There's this whole group called the Preppers who who aren't part of the uh, what I would consider the militant, more um, arrogant and aggressive people. They, they're not looking so much to have arms and weapons and being taught how to kill people, they're being, you know, they're learning how to provide and grow and actually have some sense of protection, you know, for themselves. They know how to do things. They know how to reckon with different environments and weather and so forth and on. And food, resources of food. So, I, you know, if someone is really afraid and in the, the, that particular mindset, and some of you are not to believe that if you just hold your beliefs, all will be well. I'm not going to contradict that. I expect that you will live out whatever it is you can maintain. But I also know that it's only wise that if ketchup is on sale, why not buy the three bottles instead of the one? So putting it together and having some resources that you can trust and know is there, it just kind of gives you peace. You know, you just know it's there. And uh, you can then walk away, forget about it, and go to higher thought and higher ground. Uh, when, when we come into life and we enter into the state of body, okay, we enter into the rivers of the dreaming, and we become part of whatever the continent and islands, the very soil of itself that we are born on. But there's... Many, many places where the teachings don't happen anymore. The people have become so disconnected. They don't understand the truth of the knowledge. And they don't accept that our earth is the mother. And that it really can provide and help us. In the dreaming, we can come again to understanding all of creation and our part in it. How we came to be. Okay, how how it is that we evolve. When we begin to accept that we are the living, the dreaming right now, we are part of the dreaming, and that dream is that everything else that we see that makes us feel only physical and body, that's the illusion. Dreaming can connect us again, and in many cultures and people, it is the dream time that actually allows us to again travel through the greatness and the accumulation of the greatness that we are 
that we are the, the accumulated results of all of the ancestors before us and that they live for the purpose of seeing us forward and that that is our role in what we're doing today with future. Okay? And it, the interwoven, it, it, the interwovenness of the dreaming and the oneness is like that thread. And, and we don't want to pull it. We want to keep it tight and we want to keep it close to us. Okay? And, and that connection, that single thread in us, in what we do or what we are to each other is real. How we feel about all life is real. Everything that is living is part human in as much as it's alive and it has life. Everything, therefore, is part of us, you and I. We are interconnected. If we break the hoop or we break the thread, we begin to unravel our beingness and we die. We become so disconnected and disillusioned that we don't see the very force of life, the very involvement and connection we have with Creator itself. Everything that's alive has spirit. We've gone over this many times in the teachings, and now our sciences are telling us everything is spirit. Spirit is energy. Everything is energy. So if you begin to live as energy, not as a body, begin to make the changes in the shift that says your energy and that you can recharge yourself. You will find out how much more powerful your life becomes because you don't have the fears, you don't have the, the scarcity, you're not a victim anymore. See, we, we all come from the earth and the earth is our mother and it nurtures us. This, this is as old as people. Okay, and, and everywhere people of the ancient traditional ways believe that all over again. We were all given spirit light by the great spirit and creator. And, and we were the plants, the animals, everything. So as we hurt, destroy, dishonor creation, we hurt, destroy, and dishonor our own life. It's like having an entire circle of candles all with different flames. And then these flames represent all that is living, the oneness. And then around the light is darkness with lots and lots of candles. There is lots and lots of light to see our way. But if we're blowing out the candles, all we're left with is darkness. Can we stop ourselves from blowing out the candles? Can we ignite the fires, not put them out? Can we resurrect faith in ourselves? Can we seek light and fill the shallowness of our shadow self? All of that is dream time and it is all the oneness. And it's that inner connection that we must hold, especially now, with all the great change in the very fast and rapid movement of evolution. All, all of us was given the breath of life by the Creator. It's important to look again at the, the law and why God created humans. We were created and then we were given humanity to be the keepers of that creation. We dishonored our creation. We dishonored the creator. When we fell from that way, we broke the law or the particular principles of the universe. 
And beloved, it doesn't matter if you're Hindu, Catholic, Protestant, Jewish, Muslim, or whatever religion. Your religious belief in you go on your knees professing to love and honor your Creator. And then you turn around and wantonly destroy and disrespect the creations, dishonoring your mother who provides for all your needs. Then we must ask ourselves, are we hypocrites? What do I mean by oneness, maybe, you're asking? Well, imagine I have a large rock in my hand. See this as the oneness of creation, a big, solid mountain that we're all part of. This gives us strength as well as protection, binding us together and holding it in bond. Boss of self is part of the understanding, the oneness, part of the dreaming. It is following your spirit path and knowing your spirit is guiding you. The observer is what I talk about often when I'm reflecting this is science-based. Okay, our spirit observes the body. It is not embedded in the body. As soon as we move and we start doing the I shoulds or I have to or I must, we disconnect. It's not coming from the heart anymore. It's not coming from our will to be. When ego was born in humanity, it developed very quickly. And with ego on board, rather than being part of the mountain, we said we are better than the mountain. We'll just remove ourselves and go off on our own. So we scraped ourselves away like a handful of ash from the mountain. And at that moment, we chose to separate from the oneness of creation. Today, in a very powerful way, there is a sickness within us and has now become part of the sickness of the planet. We have separated ourselves from that oneness, and with, when we did, the turbulence come as we tossed aimlessly into our day-to-day -day life. We decided to inherit ego big time. You know, many people's teachings on ego begins to show the actual uh, disconnection that ego brings us into pure faith. It, it actually challenges the base of that pure faith. We then decided, once we embraced the ego, that we created the universe and that the earth is just for us and that we would have domination over all, everything in the universe and the planet. We decided we could do whatever the hell we like to anything on this planet and just take it and use it and leave it. We separated ourselves from the rest of it. We now feel a superiority of righteousness so that we can do what we want. And an example of that is, is how I've seen people and their pets. I have a difficulty with animals being taken from the natural environment and begin to try to humanize them with humans. And I, and I know, and I'm talking to a lot of you that are pet lovers, I know that. But again, you have to understand this creature, this being, this intelligence was the part of the great normal state of nature. And it was natural in its birth to be what it is in the environment. People go out and they get a puppy and they give it to the children. And the puppy's dragged around by the neck or given only food and water to shut it up when it's whining and whimpering. And because it's only a puppy, after all, that's what you do with puppies. People simply want to go someplace and uh, they 
put the puppy out to some kind of pound and let it alone. Not understanding the psychological effects of that on the animal. And then we, we may actually feel that, okay, we've had this puppy, now it's an adult, it's five years old, we really don't want the dog, we just love playing with the puppy. So we're just going to leave the puppy now and we're going to give it to somebody else. I mean, you have to understand the relationship that has built up between you and this other life form. We cage animals up and put them in the smallest of cages because we like to have birds and animals. And we can do that because we're two-legged and we're the superior ones. Besides, in most cases, we don't have room for larger cages or for the particular pets that we want to have, so they don't have open uh, freedom to the area that you have. It's too messy and sometimes too much hard work to just actually let them be a part of the environment that you're in. So along with ego comes chaos. This disconnection, this disrespect comes chaos. We're now in the time of chaos. We're moving through it very rapidly. And along with the rapid growth we're having, much of the dreaming time medicines are not being uh, used and being allowed to help or just not chosen to help. And the chaos has hit us, and along with uh, the chaos comes the big winds. And, and the, the flooding and the rain and the elements are all bringing their changes. And then there we go. A handful of ash is gone, scattered into the universe, emotionally, spiritually, and otherwise. It's the, it's the weakest part of us. And there's the rest still part of creation, still together, still anchored. And there are those who are holding that sound space for those who have lost ground and not stable. There's absolutely no way that the mountain can be blown away. Water may change it, but it cannot be blown away. Until we come back and recognize that we're only a very small part of a great oneness and that we must honor that oneness, we will remain scattered and ungrounded. Our separation will be at the cost of our own very survival. That's where as humanity we have gone and we can only blame ourselves. And it's no good us sitting here and saying, yes, but look at those before me. Look at what they've done. They started it. It isn't my fault. What, what, what would you expect me to do? And then there's just a whining and the whining and the whining, and it just goes on. If it is not too late, it's change that we can do. You can do the change that's necessary. No one is damned. No one. There's no judgment that says we have polluted and we have damaged and we have harmed and we have pulled things out of its nat natural order and created a chaos. No, there's no punishment going on. We're still being shown that those choices need to be reconsidered and that we need to do thinking, mindfulness, being aware of what really the bigger picture looks like. We put our disconnection from the oneness in terms of a story I want to share, like reading, like renting a house. Suppose you were told that in order to survive, you would have to move house, your house right now. 
This meant your very, very level of survival balloons. So you go along to the local real estate agent and say, well, I've got to rent a house and I've got to bring along all my family. And then this real estate person says, okay, I've got one more house left to rent. One, you're so, so happy and relieved. You feel, okay, the solution has come. You go down with him and you have a look at it. And from the outside, it's, it's spectacularly beautiful, beautiful thing. And you're looking at it realizing, wow, this is fantastic. It has spatial gardens. Okay, it's gentle charm. It's just beautiful. It's old sandstone and got some verandas all around it. Oh, my goodness. It's just perfect. It's everything you could want. And then the reality. You walk inside. There's feces all over the walls, syringes all over the floor, garbage everywhere. The carpets have rotted. There's mold growing out of the sink. You open the back door and there's rubbish everywhere, piles and heaps of rubbish, so much that you can barely move. Would you then go back to your house, your lovely, clean, comfortable, well-cared-for house, get a couple of friends and put all your stuff in the van, and then move it down to wherever this house is? While you're getting the stuff out of the van, you get your friends to show you get to the, take your friends in and you show them all the, the, feet, the stuff that's on the wall, the syringes and all of the fifth and the cupboard and everything. And they help you gather it up and you, you take one of the cupboards and you stick it all in that cupboard and you, you lock it. Okay. So that at this point, then you think you've covered the situation. And then the stuff that was on the wall, the graffiti and stuff, you hang your beautiful paintings and your tapestries on the wall. And you think that that's because you can't see them anymore, that there's no effect from them. And then you think of the backyard and how disgusting it is. And then you just figure, well, the only thing you can do is that you don't let anybody go out there. So you nail the door shut. And you put your lovely Persian rug over the carpet that things have rotted and have decayed for years. Would you do that or would you clean it before you moved in? I know my answer would be, yeah, I would clean it. If your answer is yes, why? You may say to me, but I cannot live with such filth. I say you didn't create this mess. Why should you clean it up? And your reply could be, I, I can't raise my children in that filth. And then there you go. And that is the answer. We want to leave our children a better world. We don't want them to live in filth. We don't want to cover it up. We want to just resolve it. So we expand our thinking. If we want a better world for our children, this means clean water, clean rivers, clean oceans, trees to sit under and to bring shade. Great Spirit said to take only what you need and not what your greed and your, your desire is. There will always be plenty. We will always be nurtured. So what do we do? We take on the personality of a centipede and are greedy for a hundred pairs of shoes. Then it begins to uh, snowball and suddenly are, we're up to different personality disorders and all kinds of other effects that come due to this. We have to look at how we accumulate stuff and how we're filling. We, we are creating the huge dumps of trash and garbage simply because we 
get something we want real bad, we buy it, and then we put it away, and then we go buy something else. We're constantly trying to fill an emptiness and a shallowness that stuff cannot put together. Stuff can't be the answer. It just doesn't work. And when we're finished with buying and trying to fill our life with the joy of that ownership, suddenly we can look in our closets, we can look in our backyards, we can look beyond the house that maybe we feel we can leave and go to that's a better answer than the one we're in. But I say to you, if you do not remove the clutter here, if you do not clean whatever needs attention here, you will only go somewhere else and create it. It's in that that we must know ourselves and our own ego. It's in that that we must understand what we need to change and how in our change we affect everything. It's not us going out here and persistently trying to make other people change. It's ourselves. And when we change, we see the results in everything and everybody else. I try to teach oneness in everything that I do. I, I, I try to instill the concern that I have for all the creatures, how we, we need to understand they deserve, because they are life, to have the greater understanding of their natural beings. Life is precious, beloved, all life, whether it be the plants, and whether it be the water, and whether it be the anything that's on this planet, because this everything is energy, it's got life, it's got some level of conscious awareness. And how we interact with it, and what we do, accumulates and has effect. And when we begin to live like that, we will begin to understand how all of the earth and how we can have a good life. I teach the children about the trees and how the exchange between the tree and I are very vital. That they breathe out the very air that I need and I breathe out what the tree needs. And it is in that exchange that we are connected with each other's lives and survival. I see people just cutting down trees mindlessly and with no justification. And I hear people who have beautiful trees in their yards complaining about the leaves in the fall and, and not understanding the recycling of all of that. It's in seeking and understanding better the environment and the very principles that make the cyclic movement of all of nature part of our wholeness. So for us to begin to look about us and appreciate the birds and the creatures, to understand that our habitat needs to include everything at its own level of need and its own level of existence, its own natural ability and placement in life. And that the great oneness that we all talk about and that we all seek it's nothing more than you and I caring, you and I doing the best we can in every situation. Inclusion, not separation, but inclusion, will deliver us in the particular times of change that we're in so that we can actually understand our role, our uniqueness, and what that uniqueness actually brings to the overall 
situation of where we are as a world. You are beautiful. And one of the things that I, I'm watching happen is while we're talking about our oneness and we're talking about dreaming and the illusionary world that we think is more real than the very spirit of what we are. Many question the cycles of everlasting incarnation and everlasting life. We don't have to be separate from that. The more we read and the more we participate and involve and integrate what we are reading and understanding helps us to have the experience of it. I, I have beautiful people around me that will boast about how many you know, books they've read and this book and that book and they kind of give their book report on it and then I say, that's wonderful, so you're recommending the book, yes. And what outcome have you had from reading the book? And they just look at me. It's in that blank look that I don't need any further discussion on the matter. I know they didn't apply anything. And so when we're reading all of these wonderful new understandings and revelations of what we really are, the reality of what we really are as energy, we must apply the wisdom. In the 24-hour meditation, one of the beautiful things that come of it is the people of all these religions, and I would say a great number, if not all of them, were represented by uh, some number of people from them actually participating in the 24 hours. When the question went out, if they wanted to participate, there was no hesitance. And in some manner and way, they all understood what the outcome of such a togetherness and a oneness was. Yet, when they get through with the meditation, they go back into their separation of being divided by the name of their religions or their culture or whatever's, whatever's. Are you doing that? Are you a part of that? Or do you just understand each time you meet somebody that maybe worships differently or whenever you meet someone that lives differently or actually has an environment that's totally different than yours? Are you understanding? Are you simply observing and, and knowing that through understanding you're allowing that person the very uniqueness of what they are? but you're enhancing it now with the understanding that you now have by actually listening and uh, observing and maybe participating at some level that you feel comfortable, but allowing, being very allowing, not tolerant like in a, a resistant way, but allowing, allowing in a way of joy, of, of feeling worthiness, feeling inclusion. And then understand that we can do that with our environment. Sitting and watching a sunrise. Understanding that the sun coming up is a beginning of a day. And explore the word beginning. And what can we do with that word beginning? Does it mean all of what wasn't as we wanted it yesterday? 
is starting up again. That's our choice. We can change that. In our particular culture, the Cherokee way of which I was raised, every day is a life. So we live complete in that day. Every day is a Sabbath. So we honor and hold the presence of the Great Spirit in everything. We realize that we are observed and that nothing is hidden and that we're very transparent, not only to each other, but to obviously the Great Spirit. That oneness begins to then sink in from the many things you've read. You're one with what? I mean, when you're saying that there is the oneness, what's the oneness that you're part of? What makes you part of whatever that is? And then, you know, each one of us are going to discover that in a different way and come up with a different answer. And, and every one of us would be right, however it is for us. So when we say that we are experiencing this or that, and this is, you know, this is the way it has to be for us, it really doesn't have to be that way for everybody. And if we're strong enough and faithful enough to know that and to let that be, then everything is inclusive. Now, I know some of you are out there saying, yeah, but what about those horrible people? What about those people that do this? What about that? That they're a part of our world? Yes. What's your decision about that? You know, how, how do you feel that you could be a part of the resolving of that? And, I, and I'm not going to lay down any track on that, meaning I'm not going to give any suggestions as to what you need to do. I have my own way of dealing with anything like that by realizing that I do not stand against anything. But if there's something I'm uncomfortable about, I get very, very strong and very demonstrative of what it is that I do want to have. And if we would unite in that, if we would be in the oneness with that, we would never have all of these tragedies and things that we are now seeing. We have come somehow or another to the brokenness of separation. And we hide and we cut ourselves off. And everything depends, as much as survival is, everything depends on us being in that oneness and in harmony with it. When I look at that sunrise and I embrace this day of life, I can leave behind anything that was unsettling to me and anything that I could not help and assist and change. I don't carry that. I don't let that burden me and I don't let that become a weight that's going to take from me the very movement and the, the rapid evolution that I'm going to have in this new day, in this new life. Then when I come to the sunset and I look into the sunset, look deeply into the sunset, beloveds. There goes completion. This day is complete. There it goes. With its sin, anything, I, I work with the children and I tell them, if there's something very unhappy or something that they that is very painful, very unsettling to them, 
I have them close their eyes and I tell them to see a beautiful box. And when I do this, I make sure that there's been visuals to support the direction I'm going to go with the teaching. So I make sure that there is a big box somewhere about that they can see. And I usually make it decorative enough that it makes an impact and impression on them. So remember that for yourself. And so now they have the memory of this big box. And I tell them, take everything that's unhappy. Take everything that has been painful or scary. Put it in the box because that has gone. Put the lid on the box. On the box, write this word. P-A-S-T. Past. Now, pick the box up and send it with the sun. That the sun may bring it into the fires of change and bring back a better way. And so then we are complete. Then it is finished. We, we're not carrying it anymore. We don't, we don't need to greet the sun still bringing forward whatever that was. It's gone. It's been put into the greater hands, the greater solution. We have done the best we can. We've done all that we knew. And then what we can do is let it go and go from there. If we live life like that, if we make sure that we look around and see who may actually be not participating and see that they feel alone, then we can invite them. We can be kind and we can be social. When we have taken to ourselves animals and pets, let us understand that they feel like you. They will miss you. When you're not there, if they have come to understand that you're what feeds them and takes care of them, they will go through trauma. No different than a child that's been abandoned. And with the way dogs and pets think, they don't understand that you'll be back. They only know that you're not there. So when we're looking at what we do in life and the oneness that we share, that oneness says take the same consideration for all life that you want for yourself. And we can begin to practice that at whatever level is possible for us. You are important. You make a difference. You matter. You were created specifically and chosen. Your fingerprint is the definite proof that no one else is like you. No one. We can be similar to each other, but we cannot be the totality of another. So it's with the inclusiveness and the oneness that it all fits. And in the fit, when it's all in harmony and everything, every part has been placed that there is this great celebration of liberation and understanding that we can be as God is. They're telling me that I have to close up now and move on, and I thank you very much for being a part of this program and listening. I also want to give great recognition to uh, Jules, who actually does our productions and takes care of it. I know that I'm especially grateful to her because most of the time I'm sure I give additional work to her in making sure that all of what I, the audio is that I do works because I'm always traveling. I, I don't always have a stable studio. 
So for her and all the engineers and all our wonderful associates here at our LOA network, I ask you to please give attention to our fan page and send us in some requests and let us know what you're thinking. And let us know what's going on in your world and uh, know that you're cared for, that you are important, and that we look forward to these times to where we share space, time, and life with you. Meanwhile, know that you are loved and that you are never alone and that you need to focus only on the fact, all good things. This is Windows in Your Mind, and this is Parishing. Have a wonderful week. Well, okay, it's that time of being complete again and going forward to assimilate and use what we've shared and learned. It's with love of humanity that I serve. And it's always good when you're with me. I value you in your time. So I say to you, Olama Liaha, we are family. Walk in beauty upon the great Mother Earth and be the blessing that you are. I send you my hugs and kisses on the breeze and in the sun. Beloveds, I am always with you. Have a wonder-filled week and celebrate all good things. For those of you who want to keep in touch through Facebook, remember that it's www.facebook.com, C-O-M, slash forward, and it's V-E-N, period, P-A, period, R-I-S, period, H-A. And make sure that you share what you want to say and share your stuff, and I look so forward to that. So until then... No, we are blessed. See you soon. Thank you for listening to Grandmother Parisha on your journey to the windows in your mind. For further information or to contact Grandmother, please visit parishas-world.com. P-A-R-I-S-H-A-S-world.com.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.